0: Welcome to We Hear Her. I am Erin Trenbeth Murray. And I am Jennifer Bean. We're here today with another amazing woman who's sharing her story and insights to lessons learned. Welcome back everyone. Thanks for joining us at the We Hear Her podcast. I'm here today with Astrid Tuminez, who's the president of Utah Valley University. Astrid, can you fill me in on a little bit more about what you're doing right now? Um, and what yes, all you're involved in. Yes,
1: I am running um, the largest uni- public university in the state of Utah with an enrollment of about 41,000. Oh. And uh, of course, it's a big job. Uh, there are so many aspects to it, from you know the academic side, student support side, um, donor relations, community relations, industry relations, so it's, it's a job uh, then legislative and government affairs. Sure, and so sure. it's a job that has very many facets to it, but it's fun and
0: there's never a boring day. Oh, that, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. But also like a very big job. What do you think was, is, is the most challenging part of your, of your job at Utah Valley? Um,
1: there are many challenging aspects to it. I, I think the most challenging part today is that the sector in which we Play, if you will higher education is undergoing a lot of disruption we're living in a time when there's so many ways today to get your education you could get a certification from Microsoft or Google or AWS or you could go to an academy to learn coding and programming for 10 months and get a great job and so um, there's also a debt crisis in the United States so financing is an issue Uh, and then Frankly, to me, the most challenging thing with all of this is that people are questioning the value of higher education. So when you are working in a sector that is being disrupted by technology, by the ways people think, by what people value, Mm -hmm. um, you are going to have to innovate and you have to be very agile and you have to... Um, you know be there for for the market if you will and I call the market because people have choices as to where they go to to school so a lot Mm -hmm. of that means that people have to change their mindsets they have to change their behaviors they have to change the way they think about a university keeping what is best about it traditionally while innovating and moving faster where the 21st century is so that's the biggest challenge
0: and it does sound very challenging. For us, what is your message about the value of higher education? Um, Higher education is a game changer. I
1: think there is no uh, better tool or more proven tool that allows people to make a good living than higher education. I think that is still true across the board. And today, higher education has to be really redefined. It's not just solely your bachelor's degree, it isn't. So at Utah Valley University, we offer certificates, we offer associate degrees, we offer bachelor's degrees and master's degrees. We are primarily a teaching institution. And higher education is very highly correlated with um, better marriages, better health, better civic participation. So my message in higher education is that I think it's for everyone. A high school education is almost never enough for a very rare sure. few higher high school could get you where you want to go but those are
0: extremely rare exceptions sure so take me back to the beginning Um, where where were you born and um, a little bit more about your family and and what you learned along the way I was born in a farming village in the Philippines Mm -hmm. and um,
1: it's it's called Tigbawan in the province of Iloilo which May sound very exotic to you. <laughs> my, uh, my uh, family members, you know, pretty much all my relatives were farmers and fisher folk. And when I was two years old, my mother decided that we had to move to the city because there's more opportunity in urban areas, more jobs, more education. And the only place we could uh, afford to live in were the squatters, the slums of Iloilo of mm-hmm. Ilo City. So we built a house on stilts in the sea. And um, uh, so I grew up in that house, and when I was five years old, I, there was no electricity, no plumbing, no 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 utensils. <laughs> uh, we ate with our hands. Uh, anyway, when I was five years old, some nuns from an order called the Daughters of Charity were doing service work and found my family and offered us um, spots, the girls. They run a, a girls' school only offered the girls a chance to go to school at this um, convent school. And that essentially was what changed the entire trajectory of my life. So, sure. I mean, that's why I'm such a believer in, in education. And so from there, um, I mean, it's been a qu- quite a journey from there, you know, I sure. I moved on to uh, Brigham Young University uh, f- to finish my undergraduate. I'd started in the Philippines, and I went to Harvard and MIT. And I've lived and worked in five different countries, and so again, to me, the key to all that
0: was education. Sure, I can see how that, at the young age of five, made made all the difference in your life. Did that also mean that you lived away from your family when you went to? No, no. We, we
1: just walked to school, okay. and um, there was a very brief period in my life, and I lived in an orphanage that was run by the same order of nuns. Okay. And, but other than that, no, we we lived at home and then walked to school and, you know, went to school from 7.30 a.m. to 12.30 and then went home, and then went back to school from one thirty to 5 p.m. Very long school it's days. It's a long day. Yeah, it's
0: typical in the Philippines at yeah. the time. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about your mom. It sounds like she had an intuition to provide you with opportunity and to wish for something beyond what where you had been
1: mm-hmm.
0: before you moved. So I am a
1: first-generation student, just like 37% of UVU students first in their families to pursue a post-secondary credential. I mention that because neither of my parents uh, went to college. They both told me they had a high school degree, but I'm not sure. (laughs) I have never seen a diploma. So my mother uh, was always, I think, very ambitious, very energetic. Um, And um, so I think I credit her for, uh, first of all, she had strong opinions about the world. She still does today. She's 87 Mm -hmm. and and still very opinionated. And so I think she, she had what you might call just, you know, natural intellectual talent. Sure. And, of course, never developing. she didn't go to school, but I think she did have the force. She had a very difficult life. yeah uh, she grew up again in a village. you know her father was murdered when she was only fifteen. Mm. Very, very difficult life um, but but I, I could tell from her history when she was about seventeen, she ventured to the city all by herself from the village and got a job with a textile store mm. run by immigrant Indians. So a lot of Indians would go to the Philippines and run a business. And, and I think about that. She told me about how she interviewed for the job and she tried to remember all the English words yeah. she knew because she would be interviewed in English by the Indian merchants. So again, you know, a woman with, I think, raw intellectual talent, but also uh, a sense of the world and wanting to, f- she's restless. She, even yeah. at 87, she's restless. <laughs> she's restless. So, yeah. so I think that's a good thing, you know, uh, women usually are socialized for us to be afraid of the world and not to venture out and I think my mother was fearless in that sense and the world was was in many ways cruel to her but you know so what she's she's 87 (laughs) and she could look back on her life she had many adventures and and you know she she had seven children and we've all done pretty well yes so you have six siblings I do actually uh, two more I have a half brother and a half sister from my mother and father's side so yeah I come from a big family a big family yeah
0: yes Tell me uh, more about how your mom influenced um, and, and and was there a time um, that was pivotal for you in and you look back now and say this this was one choice, one decision, one event that put me here today. Um, I don't think there's a single event that put me where I am today. Um,
1: but you asked about my mother. So when I was five, my mother actually left. So I didn't really know my mom from the age of five oh, okay. to fourteen. Then I, uh, then I went to Manila, the capital of the Philippines, to live with her when I was fourteen years old. But the older I, I get, the more I realize I am totally like my mother. <laughs> I think genetics uh, are truly half or more of our destiny. Yeah. Of, of what we become, of who we are, of how we think, of how we behave, of how we deal with life. So I am like totally like my mother, very alpha and very uh, demanding and stubborn. <laughs> and so I can't think of, you know, a single pivotal event. I, I, I think there may be pivotal events that affect us in good or bad ways, but life is to be lived moment by moment. And, and we should change all the time. We ought yes. to always be changing. For the better because we are learning and we are aware and we are present to the experiences that life is giving to us and um, not that we react but we learn you know uh, we, we we are not passive so uh, but I do think of my parents again you know so my father raised us and there was one thing that my father my father was very hands-off and he, you know he's raising the seven kids in yeah. a hut and, and he didn't cook. He, I mean, we just kind of had to fend for ourselves. But one thing that I, I could still hear his voice in my head, he, he never lectured us on how to live as yeah. kids, but he always said one sentence, do the right thing. And so when oh. I was a kid, I was always asking, do the right, what is the right thing?
0: That's such a powerful message. Yes. And it applies so often yes. throughout
1: the day. But he did not tell me what yeah. the right thing was.
0: So he wanted he did you. did not. So yeah. he wanted
1: me to think, but I could always hear that voice saying, "Do the right thing." So I'm. Oh, I was always asking, "What's the right thing?" Yeah, and that is a life skill. I think we all have to navigate life individually. Nobody can live our lives mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. And that's an important question to
0: ask: What is the right thing? You know, right. in all the situations we find ourselves in. Right. Do you think that your um, the students and the folks at Utah Valley University are challenged to do the right thing? Is that also guiding in your profession? I I think so. You know, one of the things that I I have been
1: driving at UVU since I arrived uh, is the set of core values that we have.
0: Sure, what are those? And the
1: core values are exceptional care, is the first one. So for exceptional care, you begin by really seeing the person in front of you, seeing your colleagues, and acknowledging that you may be the same, you may be different but and they may have different strengths and trials and weaknesses but you have to care you have to care about yeah. the students you have to care about exceptional fa- exceptional care yeah and, and that takes a lot if you don't care about a person and your relationship doesn't go very far then the second uh, core value is exceptional accountability mm-hmm. uh, where care could be disastrous if it's all care and there's no accountability sure. we are a university we have to account for our time our money our resources and and i think when you care for someone you can directly give them feedback honest if things are great or not great so that's exceptional accountability and then the third core value is exceptional results which means that we are very ambitious individually for ourselves and and ambitious and collectively yes Yes. for the university in that we can achieve great things by working together by by caring for each other by holding one another accountable and then that ambition
0: you know the great results should follow what are the great exceptional results you want to see uh, at the university well we have a document
1: that we put together in my first year called uvu vision 2030 so it's really uh, thinking about the strategy for this decade And um, there are three strategic initiatives. The first one is to expedite the completion of meaningful credentials, certificates, associate bachelor's, master's degrees. And when I arrived, uh, we were at about 36%. We are now at 41%. And we are aiming for 45% by 2025. And that's very ambitious for an open admission institution. We admit everybody. We do not sift based on your, your ACT. And your and your GPA. We simply believe that if you have the desire and the potential, please come in. Um, the second core initiative is um, to keep education affordable, accessible, and flexible. Thank so, you. So <laughs> um, yeah, so that's why we are open admission. We try not to have very high tuition. Uh, we have just been ranked by Optimal. Uh, that, that's a ranking. They looked at 111 universities and we ranked uh, in the very top for uh, cost of education and the chances of getting a well-paid job afterwards.
0: Um, and isn't
1: that exactly what we're all looking for? Yes, right? absolutely. I and love that you're tracking that. Yeah, and Business Insider also ranked as number three in the nation for return on investment. Finally, the third strategic initiative is to enhance our relevance to industry in the community we are a public university nearly half of our budget comes from taxpayers money and so we can't be in an ivory tower we have to be where the community and industry are we have to produce the workforce and we have a, an amazing track record uh, we have produced more uh, people for four and five star jobs as classified by the state of utah than, than any other institution, and 76% of our alumni are still in the state 10 years out. So an investment in these UVU students is really an investment in the workforce and the future of the state.
0: Yes, and and with that, that's that's phenomenal. Congratulations thank you. and thank you for um, giving back to Utah in that way by, by sending folks out to really lift us up. Yeah, I and mean, that's the purpose of higher education. And I think
1: that uh, we have to understand where industry is going. Mm-hmm. You can't be too far behind that. And you know, as you educate people, as they get good jobs, all these other good things follow. They get interested in their civic duties, they raise good families, they, they themselves feel empowered and sure. i think that is really the crux of the work of higher and you have to empower people with skills and education and life experiences within the university yeah. that they learn to get along with people who are different than they are that they can be comfortable in discomfort when their ideas are questioned because you know in this world we can't get everybody to agree with us but how <laughs> do you agree with with proper reasoning and and data and evidence, you know, without
0: and allowance to continue yeah, the conversation, correct, and, learn. and even agree yeah. to
1: disagree, but still collaborate with with other people because healthy societies can
0: manage difference and can bridge differences. Sure, I love hearing what you have in mind for Utah Valley University's future. What is in your future? Um, well, I don't know right now. I've never been a person to
1: say. I've never been really very calculated about my career, but interestingly, I've had the most amazing jobs, mm. and I've I've um, I've worked in you know four or five different and this very distinct sectors: technology, finance, academia, philanthropy. Yes.
0: Um.
1: And and uh, w- what's in my future is, is something that uh, you know I love UVU. I'll be here for a while. <laughs> I hope people love me and want to keep me for a while. And then after that, you know, I mean, I feel like the world is always open, and there's always many adventures for all of us to have. Yeah. Do you have one thing on your bucket list? Do you have a bucket list? Um, well, I'd love to be able to write a couple more books. I wrote a very scholarly book uh, called Russian Nationalism Since 1856 that yeah. looked at the rise of Russian national identity from the end of the Crimean War to the year 2000, so oh, wow. it's got a million footnotes, and I feel like, okay, that's what people read if they wanna fall asleep. So I'd love to write a few more books that are more uh, you know, about current topics or leadership or maybe even a memoir, so sure. that's on my bucket
0: list, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. confident I'll, I'll get those books written. Well, after um, sitting with you here for these these short minutes that went fast, I have no doubt <laughs> and I, I love that uh, your father's wisdom holds mm-hmm. true today and is guiding you still by challenging you to do the right thing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much,
1: Astrid. Thank you. It's my yes. pleasure. Yes.
0: Thank you for taking time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more at womenwhosucceed.org. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Clark and Christine Ivory Foundation.